we come to the third of our three sessions together. So one more time, let's take our copies of the scriptures. Turn with us now to John chapter number 14. John chapter number 14. We're going to read in the middle of the chapter, beginning in verse 15, and we'll read down through verse number 27. Resting in God the Spirit. Al Mohler wrote a fantastic book a number of years ago on the Apostles' Creed. I would commend it to you. It's a wonderful resource written on a very accessible level to walk you through that ancient confession of the faith once delivered. In his chapter on the Holy Spirit, though, he closes it with these words, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Dr. Moeller says, never have six short words confessed something so magnificent, glorious, powerful, and beautiful. This confession asserts nothing less than the power that indwells every believer of Jesus Christ. This confession affirms the truth of the one who abides in us, testifies to Christ, and bears the fullness of God's truth in our lives. Resting in God the Spirit. There are many misconceptions about the Holy Spirit today. And I wish we had time to unpack all of those and set all of those straight. That is a task for your pastors. And I know that they will walk you through, at whenever the time is appropriate, all the different finer points of what we call pneumatology. But not today. Like we said at the beginning, we simply want to rest in the truth of God's Word. We want to rest in what the Holy Spirit says about himself. For loved ones, that's, that's plenty enough, right? We don't need to philosophize or wax eloquent. We don't need to hypothesize about all the different other theories and the ways others maybe have it wrong or that we have it right. For today, we want to see what the Spirit says about himself. The words we'll be reading will be the words of the Lord Jesus, but he is making us a glorious promise, a promise that has now come to be that the Spirit, God the Spirit is ours and it is He is ours to do a number of things as He ministers to us and in us, through us and for us. So we're going to read in John chapter 14 and we're going to see four of these observations about God the Spirit. If you found your place in John 14, I'll ask you one more time, if you're physically able and ready to study, would you stand? that we may display honor and, re- honor and reverence for the reading of the inspired Word of God. Reading in the middle of John 14, a number of verses beginning in verse 15 and following. Let's hear the words of the Scriptures and the words of our Lord Jesus. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells in you and will, or dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while, the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. 
Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is the word of the Lord. This morning we're looking at, as we read together, resting in God the Spirit. Church, please be seated. Father, we pray as we read your word that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts and quicken our hands and feet to live out this truth. Lord, would you show us the greatness of your grace toward us through your spirit who abides with us and in us, who ministers to us and helps us. Lord, may it be so. Help us to see you for your greatness and your glory. In Jesus' great name we pray. Amen. Four truths, four observations about the Spirit as we look here in John 14 that will enable these observations about his ministry to us, will enable us to find our rest and our peace in him. Let's look at verses 15, 16, and 17. Notice, first of all, that the Spirit is uniquely ours. The Spirit is uniquely ours. The section opens with a direct statement from the Lord Jesus. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And he repeats this a number of times throughout this pericope that we've read together. If you love me, you will keep my commands. But knowing our weakness, knowing the weakness of those who were following him at the time, knowing our weakness today... Jesus immediately encouraged his disciples that help was on the way. Would you see, dear ones, the Spirit of God for the gift that he is to us? Do you see how Jesus said he would personally ask the Father? Now we see in this passage a full Trinitarian display of grace. Jesus would go back to glory, the glory that he had in the beginning, in, in all of eternity past with the Father, and he will ask for you and for me, and the Father would give us the Spirit in the name of Jesus. What a gift of grace. The holiday season's coming up, and you're probably making your Christmas lists. We are making Christmas lists for the first time. We are making lists to buy things for someone who is not quite here yet, but who will be here very soon. We're not going to spend a whole lot of money on one another. We've already committed to do that. We're going to spend it all on Shiloh. And we're so thankful for that. But you know what it is for your kids to come with a big list. Mom, I want this. Dad, I want that. Jesus is saying, I want this for you. And I'm going to ask the source for you. And he will give it. There's no doubt here. There's no uncertainty here. 
The Spirit is uniquely ours, brothers and sisters. If you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit, and He says that you have Him forever. If you are in the habit of highlighting or underlining or giving emphasis in your copy of the Scriptures, I would encourage you to highlight or circle that phrase there, to be with you forever. This truth is enough to reassure you and to reassure me in every season and circumstance. Because we have the Holy Spirit with us forever. The Spirit of God that knows all, that sees all, that understands all, that ordains all. He is with you in every season in the greatest sorrow and difficulty. The Spirit is uniquely yours. In the greatest joy and triumph of your life, the Spirit is uniquely yours yours. Look at verse 17. We hear the Lord Jesus say that he is even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be with you. The spirit of truth. Now, that's quite the word in our day today, is it not? Everything is relative. Especially in our culture, we hear this phrase that is puzzling, although it may be attractive, my truth. Speak your truth. Everything is relativistic. Everything is relative depending on where you sit or stand on an issue. This is why the world cannot receive the spirit of truth. There is only one person who can say, I am speaking my truth and it actually be true. And it's God. If I were to say to you when this finishes up and we are speaking and getting ready to go to lunch, and if I were to come up to you and say, hey, saw your truck in the parking lot, I identify as owning your truck. <laughs> and you said, well, I disagree. I said, that's my truth. It's my truth. I'm speaking my truth. Who do I, I'm going to call somebody. You don't need to infringe on my truth. And as silly as the example may be. I hope the point is illustrated. The world today does not recognize the spirit of truth because we have tried to write truth in our own image. We have tried to make wrong right and right wrong. Jesus says the world cannot, cannot receive this spirit. But see a clear distinction. This is throughout John's writing. There is a duality here between the people who are gods and the people who are not you and I, as the people of God, raised from death to life through Jesus Christ our Lord, we have something the world does not have, nor can they ever take it away from us. We have the Holy Spirit. He says, you know Him. He dwells with you and will be in you. The same power that when God said, let there be light... And the universe suddenly lit up with the brilliance of his majesty. The same power that raised our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. When you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, you have the Holy Spirit uniquely and fully and completely. There are some, although I, I promise we wouldn't chase these rabbits, I, I need to tell you at least this much. 
There are some who might teach you that there's a two-step process to your relationship with the Spirit. That, yeah, you confess Christ and that begins the process, but that there is a later baptism in the Holy Spirit that comes at a later point. Once your sanctification has taken the necessary steps. Dear ones, on the authority of God's Word, that's not true. The Spirit is uniquely yours when you confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Can you grieve the Holy Spirit? Yes. Can you, as Cody so perfectly said earlier, can there be distance, although there's never separation, in your relationship with the Spirit? Of course. But He is uniquely yours. And all of the power, the fullness of the Godhead is available and is ministering to you. Not only that, I'll say this too, as has already been said, the Holy Spirit is a person. And you can relate to him as a person. He's not a force. He's not some other entity. He's not some ill-defined being. He's a person. And he's yours. I wonder if we could just drink from that well of mercy just for a minute. Because he's ours and because he's here, there are... There are needs in your life and burdens in your life and rest that needs to happen in your life that I don't know anything about. But the Holy Spirit is actively here ministering to you, living and abiding in you. And perhaps you need the reminder that he is uniquely yours. So much of our lives can be clarified when we know that the Holy Spirit is ours. That we have God's Holy Spirit. The thought defies description. The truth defies comprehension. And yet it remains true. The Holy Spirit is uniquely ours. If the Lord Jesus had stopped here in his teaching to his disciples, if he had put a period here and moved on to whatever is next, we would have all that we would need for the rest of today and tomorrow and on into eternity that the Holy Spirit is uniquely ours. But in great mercy, our Lord Jesus continued on. Let's keep reading. We'll continue on with him and see not only is the Holy Spirit uniquely ours, as we look at verse 18 and following, we see that the Holy Spirit abides in us. Today is the Abide Summit, and it's an important word, and uh, you have seen this truth woven throughout our look at the Trinity. See here that the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, abides in us. The Lord Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. The Spirit abides in us. Again, this is a clear and definitive statement. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. Can you imagine if we can just go together back about 2,000 years, give or take, and go to the setting where Jesus is teaching here. And just earlier he said, don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He talked about that he is going to prepare a place for those who love him. That there are many dwelling places and rooms in that place. And he says, I am the way to that place, the truth and the life. In this same context, now he is preparing his disciples that for the time that he is going away. And you can imagine their panic, their alarm, their disappointment and confusion 
What do you mean you are leaving? Where are you going? And what will we do? Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And there is a great, again, Trinitarian theology just in that statement. That if Jesus says, I am in my Father and I am going to him, but yet I will come to you. That's a big statement about the Holy Spirit of God. That he is God. Jesus has sent us his Spirit to abide in us. Then he repeats the commandment about love me and keep my commands. And Judas just can't take it anymore. He's speaking for the other disciples. Usually it was Peter, wasn't it? But this time it's the one called Judas, not Iscariot. And he speaks for them and he's speaking for us today. How? How are you going to leave us? but yet come to us. How is the world not going to see you, but we will see your glory manifested? And he says, we will come. We will come and make our home with you. Before Jesus, the Holy Spirit would come for a moment, for a punctiliar moment in time, a specific work. In the Old Testament, you would see the Holy Spirit overshadow or uh, go and work among or with or indwell a person for a season, but not forever. After Jesus, because the sacrifice has been made, the, the price has been paid, the victory has been won, the gift has been given, I will ask the Father and He will give we know on the day of Pentecost that promise came true and the Holy Spirit came and indwelled those who had confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and he's still doing that today. We will come. Now we have the Spirit living in us, making his home in us. I don't know if you're like me. There's something special about home, right? You can't, you can't repeat it anywhere. You can't replicate it anywhere. There's something about coming into your home after a long day. There's something about your dog running to the door and meeting you. You don't really want anybody else's dog running. When you go to other people's house, their dogs kind of get on your nerves, but something special about, about Willis' dog. We have a beagle at home, and he lives on the back of our couch all the time. And There's something special about Willis coming home. Something special about seeing your wife or your husband, your children at the close of the day. There's safety and security there. Our home, while being prepared for eternity there with the Lord, he has come to us and he has made his home with us. The same word that Jesus said, in my Father's house are many dwelling places, many rooms. This word means to tabernacle. Jesus is coming near with his spirit. The Godhead, the triune God has come to dwell with us. As we said a few moments ago in the second session, we're no longer separated from a distance. God has come. He truly is Emmanuel. He has come to abide in us. And that's why we can say again with great confidence, on your darkest day, Iron City, the Spirit is there. On your greatest day, that day didn't come to you except for the Spirit's ministry and grace toward you. He is there. And would you, would you be willing to oblige me just for a moment and just look around at one another? Only two of you did it. That's okay. You are a testimony of the Spirit's abiding presence here. I am an outsider, although I'm your brother in Christ. 
The word of the Spirit's work in this church family is traveling far and wide. You've seen the baptisms. You've seen the disciple making. You've seen the tangible feeling. Cody said it earlier. Sometimes it's okay to just feel the Spirit doing a new, a unique work that that you haven't seen at Iron City perhaps before. And he's doing it now. You are the testimony that what we're reading today is true. The Spirit abides in us. See His work. Abide in Him as He abides in you. The Spirit is uniquely ours. The Spirit abides in us. But look at verse 25 and 26. Not only do we see those, we see another truth about the Spirit. The Spirit teaches us His truth. The Spirit teaches us His truth. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Spirit teaches us His truth. Jesus was preparing His disciples for the soon coming day when He would return to glory and commission them to proclaim His gospel to every nation. He says then these things I've spoken while I'm here, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things. The Helper. In English, we have a number of ways to render this. And depending on what version of the English Bible you're reading, it may say Helper, it may say Comforter there. And in our day, we think of help as something we we need when we just can't, when we get to the point we can't do it anymore, right? We need to call in for help when we just can't quite reach it. We call for help after we've exhausted all of our own strength. And that's not quite the picture of the Holy Spirit here. The Holy Spirit is the help that we need at the beginning, not when we're empty of ourselves. The the Holy Spirit is the only help we can truly find and the only teacher who can reveal the truth about God to us. It's not an assistant or a, a spiritual secretary. This helper or comforter isn't just somebody to go to when you have not been able to find comfort anywhere else. He's not your personal version of God that does your bidding. He's your helper, advocate, comforter. He, the, one writer says there's no real good English word to put it, so we translate it from the Greek. We just transliterate paraclete. He is uniquely himself doing what we cannot do so that we might abide and rest and grow in Him. He teaches us His truth. He will teach you. He will help you remember my truth. Peter said, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Can I just pause in the middle of that verse? I don't like to do that, but I want to stress this here. In our day, one of the most popular heresies regarding the Holy Spirit, if I could call it that, is this idea of what does the Bible mean to me? If I could just insert this here, the Bible means what it means. It may apply to your situation slightly differently than it may apply to mine and to the third or fourth person, but the Holy Spirit meant what he meant when he wrote it. And there is truth for us to find that he can teach us. He says, the apostle says, No prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit teaches us His truth. 
podcasts are all the rage today. Uh, I am slow to get on the, I like to listen and watch uh, guys on the internet, but I've been slow to get on the podcast train, partially because I've not ever been able to get to the first one somebody recommended to me three or four years ago, and now I haven't even got to that one, and somebody has seven or eight other, ten other podcasts I need to be listening to every day. It's overwhelming for me. You've noticed, Cody has his iPad, and I have my leather notebook and paper. I'm a little bit of an old soul. Podcasts are great. They're all the rage, and we need helpful resources. But I'm afraid that I've been guilty of making the mistake of forgetting that we have the one who wrote the book abiding in us, who is here to teach us his truth. I love to listen to one of my favorite preachers is Alistair Begg. I love to listen to Alistair Begg. His Scottish accent makes it just easy. It just flows like honey. It's just like I could listen to him all day long. He's great. I recommend him to you. I love to listen to John Piper who makes sometimes difficult truths so practical and easy to understand. J.D. Greer, uh, recent president of the Southern Baptist Convention, pastor at Summit Church in North Carolina, wonderful communicator, has written a number of awesome books and is just a great guy to listen to. There's one... Another one I like to listen to right here in Alabama, gifted preacher, teacher, communicator, leading, uh, great rising leader in our state. His name's Cody Hale. I don't know if you know him or not. Truthfully, uh, you're, you're, you have a gift in your pastor, and I meant to say that earlier, but uh, he is one of guys that I count on to mentor me and influence me, and you have a great treasure in Cody Hale. He is a fantastic teacher and preacher of God's Word, but... You have the Spirit to teach you. He uses our pastors. It is your pastor's solemn responsibility to rightly divide the word of truth. I have a solemn responsibility to Lionville Baptist Church to rightly divide the word of truth. And I will do my best in the Spirit's power to do that. But what my people at Lionville need and what Iron City needs more than anything else is the Holy Spirit to teach them God's truth. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I want to make sure I'm being clear here. The Spirit necessarily uses others and other resources to help us grow. So please don't go and scrap your podcast this afternoon because that guy from Clay County said, I don't need to listen to those anymore. You're you're hearing what I didn't say. But I want you to maybe consider whether or not you have the right balance in order of priority. What a shame it would be to listen to what other people had to say about the Word all week long and never even crack the book open when we have the one who wrote it living in our hearts. The Spirit teaches us His truth. And He's here to equip us, to strengthen us, to teach us and train us. But if we could stay in the vein of the practical just for another moment. The Spirit, and we've already mentioned this briefly, the Spirit testifies about His truth. As we said earlier, the only one who can call it His truth and be accurate and right about it, it is His truth. You and I can't show up here one day and say, you know what, well God told me, and then go off and say something completely counter to the Bible. Ligon Duncan, one of my, another one of those preachers that I love to read after and study after and listen to, he made what may be my favorite statement about truth relating to God's Word that I've heard in a very long time. If anyone ever comes to you, he said, and says, I know God's Word says X, Y, or Z, but everything after that contraction there, everything after that one three-letter word, but it's heresy. While the Spirit is here to teach us His truth, He doesn't do that with us in isolation. He does that in community. 
with other believers in a local church setting. This is why we're doing this this morning. The Spirit will faithfully and ably teach you His truth, but He's not going to tell you something that can't be confirmed by the church at large, that isn't in the Bible. He's not... I guess what I'm trying to say to you is, if you just put it bluntly, this is the revelation we have from God. You're not going to find another one. So let him teach you this. Stop looking for some new word from God and open up this book. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Spend time with the Spirit who is uniquely yours, who abides in you, and who is here to teach you his truth. When I was a young man... And at Lineville, they always laugh at that because I, I guess I still am a young man in one way or another. But when I was an even younger man, I remember talking to an older preacher who is in the room about a question or decision. And I can't remember the specifics of it now. But I was asking my father uh, about, for some wisdom. What do I need to do about this situation? And I knew what he was going to say before he even said it. And he asked me what any father and pastor should ask. He said, well, what do you believe the Lord wants you to do? What's the Spirit saying to you? And I was a little frustrated in my youthful haste. I don't know. I just need to know the answer. And he said, son, will you know where the answer is found? You know where we can find God's will for our lives? And it was all, it's always nearby. One of those things, if you, if you know Mark Hurley, there's, there's a Bible nearby somewhere now. He's figured it out. It's on his phone now, so he can, can read it. Don't get mad at me, Pop. You should go see him at work. He's got one in his desk. He's got it on his phone. They're all over the house. and he, it's, Somehow, it's just, they appear out of thin air. He picked up his Bible, and he says, Well, the answer for you is right here, son. The Spirit teaches us his truth. There's no problem you're facing that's too hard for the Spirit to instruct you. There's nothing new that the Spirit does not anticipate and already know what's going to happen before it even happens. There's not a need you have that the Spirit doesn't communicate to the Father through the Son before you even know that you need it. The Spirit teaches us His truth. So spend time with Him. Abide in Him and with Him as you do. And if we will, we'll see one final truth as we rest in God the Son. See in verse 27 that the Spirit brings us peace. The Spirit brings us peace. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And there it is again. In case you weren't convinced the last time, Jesus is saying, I'm coming back to you through my Spirit. This is my peace. I'm with you in the flesh now, but I will be with you through my Spirit always. His peace is my peace. The the peace and the reassurance you feel as I speak to you now, you will have in my spirit. Peace. My peace I leave with you, I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. My peace. Your pastors lead you so well at Iron City. They see you, they know you, they shepherd you faithfully. They know that this day is needed. And I am learning from their example as I see the benefits of what such a day could, could render to my faith family over the mountain in Lineville. I'm thankful that they would be willing to call you to something that they see is so distinctly needed in this day and age. We look for peace in so many places. Jesus knows that we do too. He says, not as the world gives do I give you. 
if we had time and we could enter into executive session and you could testify and raise your hand, we'd cut the cameras off and cut the microphone off and you, we could just take some time and say, dear brother, sweet sister, where do you look for peace? We'd have a laundry list of places that we look for peace. You'll not find it in your 401k or your 403b and your Roth IRA, especially in this economy. If you've made the grave error of logging in and looking at that recently, then you, that's a whole other issue that you need to repent of. You, need to, you need to forget the password for a while. Just some, some friendly counsel there. You're not going to find peace there. You're not going to find peace, sir, ma'am, in a new relationship. You think the one you're in, you think the marriage that you're in, that you're covenant in with right now, you have gotten all you can from this one. And a new relationship will not have the same extant problems and issues and worries and confusions. You, you found someone who gets you, right? I'm sorry to disappoint you today, but the same problems you had in your first marriage will carry on to your second marriage. And to your third. And to the other auxiliary relationships you may pursue. You won't find peace and satisfaction in what you watch on the internet when no one's looking. You won't find peace and satisfaction in your children. The Lord in heaven knows that I have longed for and prayed for children, but the little one growing there within my wife cannot bring me the peace that Jesus can bring me through his spirit. Not as the world gives do I give. We don't find our peace in Montgomery. We don't find our peace in Washington. We don't find our peace in pleasure. We don't find our peace in power, in fame, and in influence. We find our peace when we go to the one who himself is peace. The Spirit brings us peace. Not the Holy Spirit. He, he doesn't... He doesn't lie to us. He doesn't twist his words. He's sure and true every time, and he brings us peace. Christ, the sure and steady anchor. In the fury of the storm, when the winds of doubt blow through me and my sails have all been torn, in the suffering, in the sorrow, when my sinking hopes are few, I will hold fast to the anchor. It shall never be removed. Jesus promised his followers that his spirit would be theirs forever. Would you notice one final thing before we pray together? Jesus never promised that life would be easy. The only other thing we'll say is you can go to churches all over Alabama and all over the southeast, all over the world. You can go to some not very far from here and some very far from here. And you can go into their room or you can listen to them online and they will promise you that life, if you live according to these tenets, God wants you to be healthy God wants you to be wealthy and well cared for. And it's simply not true. Because if it is, the last 2,000 years of all that Christians in every day and age have suffered is for nothing. Jesus didn't promise you an easy life. But he promised he would always be with you. He didn't promise you that it wouldn't be difficult. He didn't promise you that the diagnosis wouldn't come and rock your world. He didn't promise you that all of these things would be perfect and easy and smooth. In fact, he said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. He said, I have overcome the world. 
And to those who desire to live godly, Paul told his son in the faith, Timothy, those who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Christians, very soon after the Lord Jesus finished this and finished his redeeming work, came back from the grave, went to glory, gave his Holy Spirit, the earliest Christians there in the, what we call the great church period, they, they experienced persecution very shortly after Jesus left. He was preparing them for it. And it's been going on ever since. There are Christians today on the Lord's Day meeting in places far away from here that if they were discovered, they would be instantly martyred for their faith. The Spirit brings us His peace. The Apostle says this peace is one that passes all comprehension and understanding. In times of great tragedy and difficulty, in times of great victory and success, we have peace through God the Spirit. Would you rest in Him today? Would you come to Him and lay your burdens down? We've looked up this morning at our great King who loves us, the Father, so radically and unconditionally loves us. We've seen that the Son lives for us, intercedes for us. We see that the Spirit has come to us and abides in us. Do you know him? Have you confessed him as your Lord and Savior, our Lord Jesus? Are you resting and abiding in him today? Do you have a relationship with the God we've come here to worship? Don't leave here without responding to his mercy. The Bible says all who call on the name of this great Lord will be saved. And for those of you who have, let's thank him for his goodness. Let's rejoice in his grace. Let's abide fully and completely in who He is. Thank you for watching or listening to one of our sermons. We would love to have the opportunity to connect with you one-on-one. We are not a perfect church, but we are a joyful church, and we want to help you increase your joy in Christ. We would love for you to come and worship with us one day soon. You'll be able to find information about our worship services, about who we are, what we believe, what we do, what we're hoping to accomplish on our website at ironcity.org. We would invite you to go and to check out all the information there. We look forward to seeing you soon.